Welcome to Family Room Discussions, where I open up my family room so that we can talk about the week's lessons from Come Follow Me. I am not a church historian or a scripture scholar, far from. I'm just your average Latter-day Saint seeking to grow my faith in Christ and deepen my testimony of the gospel and the scriptures. I have found that one of the best ways to do that is by discussing Come Follow Me with others. My hope is that you'll join in the gospel dialogue by sharing what you learn with others. Without further ado, let's start this family room discussion. Sisters and brothers, family and friends, this is episode 33, following along with The Lord is My Shepherd, Psalms chapters 1 and 2, chapter 8, 19 to 33, 40 and 46. Uh, Lex and I just got back from a uh, cruise to the Bahamas, had a wonderful time, but that's also why uh, there was no podcast last week. We're already behind several, <clears throat> and so I've made a plan to catch up, which is that we're going to be a little bit shorter in the... Uh, recordings for uh, the psalm chapters that'll help us get back to where we're supposed to be, which is, I believe, Isaiah chapters 1 through 12. So uh, I plan on just posting several podcasts this week, hopefully, to catch up. Um, but yeah, yeah, getting back on track, The sum, you know, summer's coming to an end, Labor Day just happened, and so uh, I would like to be back on track before, definitely before the end of the year. That would be lovely. Um in this lesson, before I jump in, uh, in in Psalms specifically, as I was going through, I didn't really have like standout thoughts that really flowed together. There's a lot of just verses that stuck out to me in a way that uh, touched me. It kind of light, enlightened my mind, so to speak. And I think that's really the uh, the value of, of Psalms. Uh, I actually taught this lesson to the youth in uh, my ward. Um, I think I shared this, that I'm, I'm the Sunday school president and, uh, you know, the way we're doing it is instead of calling substitute teachers, we're just going to, we just have members of the presidency sub in when we need to. Cause I think, I think that's, that's easy enough to do. And I, I, to me, it just, it makes most sense that the Sunday school presidency would be prepared with the lesson every single week in case that a teacher isn't able to, to be there. Cause there's really not that, that many responsibilities that lay uh, at the Sunday school presidencies, uh, on their shoulders. So I taught this lesson the way I described it to them. And I, I don't think that this is necessarily accurate, but I do like this. I think it simplifies it, especially for those who aren't necessarily going to go through the old Testament and study it out. Anyway, the Psalms are like hymns. It's really just a, a giant hymn book. It's a compilation of poems of, uh, feelings, um, more of the like artistic word really. And so because of that, I think it's, it's much like a song, right? Songs just speak to you. you can't, it's not like, why, like if I were to ask you, what's your favorite song? And then you told me, and then I said, why? There'd be so many reasons why, but it's, it's mostly a subjective thing. It's feelings. It's maybe the, the tune of it. Maybe there's some lyrics that you really just resonate with you. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. The way I explained it to uh, this youth class, I said, so much of the scripture, and especially the Old Testament, specifically the books of Moses, focus on the law, um, the kind of the, the things that touch our minds, things that we're supposed to get, our, get ourselves to do to follow the commandments. But then there's this other portion, which is the, uh, the heart, things that touch the heart, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and so forth. These are things that touch, touch our spirits, touch our, you know, our feelings, and in uh, the Come, Follow Me lesson, explains that Christ often quoted inside of the Psalms, and, and why is that? I believe it's because he, he knows perfectly, 
um, and, and we should learn this and understand this as well perfectly, which is that there are two parts of our soul. You know, there's the spirit and there's the body. And a lot of that, I think, could be boiled down to one part is our, our feelings, our emotions, the way we feel about things. The other is the, the logical side, the, uh, the do's, the don'ts, the law, things that just make sense, that, that flow well. And we need to combine both. You can't be converted without the combination of both. So Psalms, to me, is helping us to combine the feelings of our soul. So with all those thoughts, let's, uh, let's get straight into it. We don't know for certain who wrote the Psalms. Some have been attributed to King David, but for most of them, the writers remain anonymous. Yet after reading the Psalms, we may feel as if we know the heart of the psalmist, even if we don't know their names. What we do know is that the Psalms were an important part of worship among the Israelites, and we know that the Savior quoted them often. In the Psalms, we get a window into the soul of God's ancient people. We see how he felt, or excuse me, how they felt about God, what they worried about, and how they found peace. As believers today, all over the world, we still use these words in our worship of God. The writer of Psalms seems to have had a window into our souls and seems to have found a way to express how we feel about God, what we worry about, and how we find peace. Uh, and so, something that I, I feel like the Psalms relate to, not just like members of our faith or of Christian faith. But of the world, because um, in this first section of, of teaching, it says the Psalms teach us to trust the Lord. And in chapter 23, verse 4, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Uh, this is reminiscent of a different song, the way that starts specifically through the, the valley of the shadow of death, because it's gangster's paradise. And so the Psalms have touched songwriters uh, in our modern time, and I don't think that's by accident or anything. Uh, again, I, view, I really do view Psalms, all 150 of them, as one giant hymn book compilation of Old Testament time. Um, so the Psalms teach us to trust the Lord. And there's two specific that I want to talk about. One is chapter 28, verse 3. It says, Draw me not away with the wicked and with the workers of iniquity, which speak peace to their neighbors, but mischief in their hearts. And... This, to me, speaks to the gift of uh, learning to discern, the gift of discernment, seeing things as they are, not as we want them to be or, or wish them to be, right? It says, draw me not away with the wicked and with the workers of iniquity, which speak peace to their neighbors, but mischief in their, is in their hearts. Uh, there are so many around us that will speak things that, that sound good to us, that touch the natural mind, but ultimately they are seeking to lead us to destruction. This is, I am witnessing this with, uh, many of my friends and loved ones all around. I'm constantly concerned that myself that I fall into this category of listening to things that, that sound good to me, but aren't true. And the best way we can hedge our bets, so to speak, is to uh, listen to the prophet, follow after the prophet and apostles' teachings and counsel, stay close to the scriptures, read them every day. And it makes it a lot harder to fall prey uh, to these mischievous people who are trying to lead us astray. And then also in chapter 46, verse 10, it says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. And being still is an act of faith. I think so often we uh, think of faith being an action verb in the sense that we have to go and do something. We have to exercise our faith, forgetting that being still is also an exercise of faith. Oftentimes, I believe that uh, the Lord guides us, gives us direction, 
but expects us to wait for it, wait for the good things to come and not try and force good things to happen. We should always be about doing a good work, uh, serving and taking care of people, others. That's not the uh, what I'm talking about, but in our own lives when it's like, you know, I feel like this good thing should be coming to me. I'm going to go make it happen. I have found for me that what God is trying to teach me is to be still and trust in him, have faith in his timing. Um, I know that was certainly true for when I married Lex. I could not have forced that timing or forced how that's happened. And and uh, in our marriage and relationship, that was on God's timetable. And wasn't even a, I didn't even have to wait that long, and I was still impatient. Um, but there are so, so many things like that in our lives, I believe, that fit into that same category of just trust God, wait for him, and um, you'll be able to see the miracles in your life. In the second section, the Psalms point our minds to the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. And the specific one for me that stood out here was in chapter 22, verse 1. It says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Uh, that, that theme, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me, has been said by several. And uh, I believe both Jesus Christ himself and Joseph Smith have said, said that statement. So I think that rings true through many of both the writers, but also just our feelings in our own heart. I think we've all had that time where we felt like God has abandoned us. And even if logically we know that's not true, again, this is about feelings, not about what we know to be true. And uh, I think we've all felt that time in our lives where we feel like he's not there for us. We, we know that he is, and we know that obviously that he is testing our faith and showing us that we can trust him in all times and in all things, which is incredibly important. Uh, Recently, I heard someone scoff at that saying. They said that's bullcrap um, because God should always be there for us. He should never let us feel like we're abandoned. But in my experience, that hasn't been true that, one, I know that he hasn't abandoned me, but why would he have, why would Christ feel like in the Garden of Gethsemane that God had abandoned him? Uh, and we know, of course, that he was left alone. He had to be, to be able to fulfill that. So where we don't have to be left alone, but why would we not have in our lives times where we do feel that if Christ had to? Um, it doesn't make any sense to me that uh, the, the, the most perfect and the only perfect one among us would have to go through something that we wouldn't at least have to taste of in our life. And so Christ became God because he did what he said he would do, and he did it alone. We don't have to do things alone, um, but we do need to, I believe, taste of that fruit, uh, that bitter fruit, so to speak to know what it is that he went through. And I don't really think we have a lot to complain about seeing as we don't have to do it alone, and he did. In section three, the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. In chapter eight, verse four, it says, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? Um, that feeling that we are nothing, we, we are like, you know, compared to all the works of God's hand, why would he even care about us? And that's the great truth of it all, and something I think we need to keep in mind at all times. We are God's most important work. He cares the most about what is happening to us in our life. Um, so yes, while we are nothing compared to you know the earth, the trees, the rocks, the animals, the the stars in in comparison to you know what we can make happen versus what God can make happen, obviously, we are still His most important work. Um, he cares the most about our progress and our journey. And so there's no reason really to get discouraged or to, to mistake that in our minds that we're not. Um, I know there's a movement in the world, right, that 
you know, planet Earth is the most important uh, thing and we should all be sacrificing our lives to take care of it. While I do believe that it is an important uh, principle to follow, which is to be good stewards of that which we are in, in charge of, meaning we should be taking care of uh, the planet. We should be doing our uh, doing our part. I completely disagree and believe that it's a lie that Satan has shared and convinced so many, which is that we are nothing if it means uh, saving the planet. I disagree. And so, um, yeah, I think the world will continue to forget that, and we shouldn't. We are the most important. And then in Psalms chapter 33, verse 16, there is no king saved by the multitude of, a, of an host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. And to me, I, I gained from that that just don't put don't put uh, any faith in in worldly things. Don't put faith in even the government to protect you. Well, especially the government, but don't put faith in uh, your salvation. I guess up to to man to to the world to anything. The only one we can trust with our salvation is God. And so, uh, don't have idols. Don't have don't trust in yourself and your own flesh. Don't trust in your money and your you know your uh, the things that you own. I can't even think of the word that I was trying to think there. Uh, but yeah, just the things that you you own, your even your job, your career, like whatever you're proud of, whatever makes you feel like you're worth something. Um, and I'm not saying that, that it doesn't, but, but honestly, your worth should be tied up in the fact that you are a child of God and he cares about you. And because of that, you could lose everything else and still... Uh, matter. You're still worth, you know, an infinite amount. And I think too many people kind of lose sight of that. I know I certainly do uh, at times, and I have to remind myself constantly through the scriptures. And then finally, in section four, the word of the Lord is powerful, rejoicing the heart. Um, in chapter 19, verse seven, it says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And God's law is perfect. And I don't, I don't know why uh, as members, we spend so much try time trying to change God's law to, to fit what we think it should be. We should be spending all of our time learning God's law and changing ourselves to understand it, fall in line with it. And there's so many times where we come across something, I'm speaking from personal experience here, so many times we come across something that we do not understand, we can't kind of fit it into the box of, of uh, a narrative that makes sense to us. So we spend time trying to, to make it sound good to us, and, that, and that's the incorrect way of, of studying. If you are studying the scriptures in order to put the gospel into a box that, that you like or that you understand, you will never truly learn the mysteries of eternity. And as frustrated as people can get that things aren't the way they, they want them to be or, or fits the narrative that they see, at least especially at first glance, um, I have learned that that only frustrates me when I uh, don't spend the time studying, learning, and seeking direct revelation from the Lord. Um, I found that there is always so much peace in His eternal principles and teachings. And even though oftentimes that that truth, that eternal the eternal peace that comes, requires uh, myself to repent and to change. It is so much easier than trying to force it into a box that I've created. Um, I've really learned that through personal experience, that it is so much easier just to to learn and grow because there's there's more, right? It's uh, You can't confine eternity into your own finite understanding. 
And so to try will only lead to deeper frustrations, deeper feelings of lostness or confusion, and will not lead to the ultimate goal. And so I had, I had several more, you know, chapters and verses that stood out to me, but I think those are the ones, the main ones, especially that go with the lesson. I do love that fifth section, entering the Lord's presence requires purity, and it certainly does, so we should be seeking to always be pure. Um, but I will leave you with this for this first study of, of Psalms, this first reading section, which was essentially chapters 1 through 46. But in, those, in that reading, what was the psalm that spoke most to your soul? What was the either the verse or the chapter that stood out to you and caused you to rejoice, have feelings of rejoicing about the Lord? And how, how are you going to share that verse with someone in your life this week? But otherwise, thank you for joining my family room discussion. And until we meet again, have a blessed week.